Good morning. Uh, once again, uh, joining you from the uh, virtual St. Paul's background. Um, I hope everybody's doing well. I know the new restrictions are uh, can feel somewhat suffocating, but uh, hang in there. God willing, there's uh, uh, some you know positive news on on the rise here. The vaccine. Hopefully, we can uh, kind of inch our way back towards a little more normal in the near future here, but uh, prayers for all of you uh, through whatever anybody's going through, whether it's illness or just uh, the difficulties of uh, staying at home, etc. cetera, uh, and prayers for all those who are going out to work, the essential workers, uh, uh, prayers with you for good health uh, and uh, perseverance. So, uh, you know, again, we're continuing our series uh, on St. Basil the Great's writings. Again, I'm pulling from this book on social justice, which keeps disappearing in the virtual background, but it's on social justice, a uh, collection of his sermons, mostly centered around the topics of wealth and uh, how we use wealth and how we should think about money and, and things like that in terms of uh, charitable donations and uh, assisting those who are without uh, and so without further ado, again, I will minimize myself mercifully and uh, pull up the uh, talk here, share the screen. And uh, I'll start again just with, you know, just a refresher background and then get into the actual uh, sermon and, uh, that uh, St. Basil wrote. But the purpose is just to remind us of who St. Basil is. Uh, I did spend a whole uh, talk, I think two or three talks ago uh, about his kind of biography, but it's helpful just in the context of what we're discussing to refresh our memories a little bit. So I'll run through a, a few of the earlier slides and spend more time on the later slides. So again, uh, this sermon is called I Will Tear Down My Barns, and it's from a gospel passage in Luke, which we will read together. Uh, a couple disclaimers. Uh, number one, uh, is that uh, I will be presenting the teachings of St. Basil the Great as true to his sermon as I possibly can. Um, in the context of this particular talk, I have barns, I've built bigger barns, and I'm in, in the process of perhaps trying to build even bigger barns. So this uh, sermon speaks to me uh, greatly. And, um, you know, over the years, I've uh, meditated on this uh, sermon and thought about it uh, quite a bit. And then I want to just give a little bit of a, a kind of maybe comical analogy here of, a, of the two priest confession analogy. And this is just another way to introduce St. Basil the Great. So when we're confessing, uh, maybe across our lifetimes, we've had the experience of uh, having the opportunity to confess to different fathers of confession. And there are uh, some fathers of confession where in the back of your mind, you're approaching them and you say, you know what, uh, I'm going to go to him because no matter what I say, he's going to kind of smile it off, uh, show the, the love and the grace of, of God uh, and uh, kind of uh, assist me gently through, through my confession. Um, and at the end, uh, we'll all leave feeling better about ourselves. Uh, and then there's the uh, other priest that sometimes we can approach 
uh, who we know is not going to let us off the hook so easily and who is going to uh, kind of uh, cause us to examine ourselves and maybe go places where we were hoping not to go in terms of uh, in terms of discussing the origins of our sin uh, and how to, to counterbalance it. So it's almost like the, the tale of two Kiroluses, uh, Father Kiroluses, uh, the the smiley one on the, the left here and the uh, more serious one on the right. Um, of course, I say this in jest because uh, anybody who sought spiritual advice from uh, Abuna Krolas knows that uh, he does uh, show the love and grace of God, but uh, not uh, he also doesn't gloss things over. So he's uh, somewhere in the middle here, perhaps. So moving on, St. Basil the Great, uh, again, one of my favorite uh, saints uh, to draw from uh, on his sermons and his wisdom. Uh, he's been a uh, instrumental part of my adult life, and I encourage anybody who has not read from him to do so. Oh, and so, so the point of that two priest analogy is that St. Basil is certainly the stern priest. So he, you know, don't approach him with expecting a lovey-dovey response. He's uh, very straightforward, very upfront, and uh, cuts to the uh, cuts to the meat of the the situation. So uh, Saint Basil is uh, is not the uh, smiley, jovial uh, priest you go to confession for. So again, he was born in 330 AD in Caesarea of Cappadocia, modern day Turkey, born into a very prominent Christian family, um, a variable household of saints. His grandfather, mother, father, all became saints as did four of his nine brothers and sisters. Uh, his brother, Peter became, uh, St. Peter became Bishop of Sebastia. His brother, uh, one of his brothers was St. Gregory of Nicaea. Uh, his older sister, Macrina, which was instrumental in his own faith journey and really the faith journey of the entire family. She's a, she's a giant among saints uh, just by, you know, the influence she had on, on others and her own life. Um, and she was one of the first members of the family to embrace kind of the monastic style of living. Uh, the family was not only known for their piety, but for his social status and wealth. Their father was a, a lawyer and a an, uh, member of the aristocracy. Uh, St. Basil the Great had a phenomenal education. He studied in the best places in the world at that time, Constantinople, and later in the University in Athens. Um, his father passed in his teenage years, and he as, as did his uh, brother, one of his brothers. And when he returned to Caesarea, this had an a instrumental change occurred in his life, uh, a profound change occurred in his life, um, where uh, his sister, St. Macrina, had a, a very impactful uh, uh, influence on his life um, and helped usher him towards a more serious state, faith by his own admission. Much time had I spent in vanity and wasted nearly all my youth in vain labor, which I underwent in acquiring the wisdom made foolish by God. Uh, then once upon a time, like a man roused from deep sleep, I turned my eyes to the marvelous light of the truth of the, the truth of <clears throat> the gospel, and I perceived the uselessness of the wisdom of the princes of this world who came to naught. Then I read the gospel and I saw that there were that there that a great means of reaching perfection was a selling of one's goods, sharing them with the poor, giving up all care for this life, and refusal to allow the soul to be turned by any sympathy to things of earth. And we'll get into this a little bit more. 
uh, again, you know, there's different ways to interpret different Bible passages. And uh, the, the, one of the central uh, passages is this passage of the rich young ruler who approaches Christ and says, you know, what can I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And uh, Christ says, you have to do A, B, and C. He says, all these things, the commandments I have kept from my youth. And then when he tells the rich young ruler to go sell his possessions uh, to the, and give to the poor, he walked away very sorrowfully. Well, the, the church has uh, traditionally had several ways of looking at this. Uh, one is the thought process of St. Clement of Alexandria, who really was just, who really suggested that this passage suggests that we break free from our attachments to wealth and not to be obsessed with the acquisition and maintenance of wealth, but not necessarily literally do what was suggested in this passage. Then there's the thought, the train of thought uh, exemplified by St. Athanasius, who wrote uh, from a monastic perspective that this passage should be interpreted more literally. And the church reconciled this by suggesting that this interpretation for monks is different than what it is for the general populace. And then there's St. Basil the Great, who approaches this from an expression as a law of, a law of love, uh, basically saying that if we as humans see others suffering uh, and we possess wealth out of love we cannot bear to keep these things for ourselves and so there's but he also was somewhat of a literalist in that he did those things he sold his possessions he gave away what his family owned and what he owned and gave to the poor so he's uh yes on uh the, the the method of interpretation is through love, but he also, to some degree, was a literalist. And so we read the gospel passage from Luke, Luke 12, 16 through 21. In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, amen. And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God? Again, that last verse, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And I want us to pay attention to that very last part of that sentence, being rich toward God, and be thinking about what exactly does that mean to be rich toward God? So, you know, St. Basil starts his sermon and he talks about a, a very interesting concept and he talks about the idea of, uh, you know, difficulties, the spiritual struggle. And uh, he says, for many, it is prosperity of life that constitutes the greatest trial, for it is equally difficult to preserve one's soul from despair in hard times and to prevent it from becoming arrogant in prosperous circumstances. So he sets up this kind of duality, this, this you know, uh, it's just as hard for somebody who is constantly being put through trials to maintain a strong faith, uh, to preserve one's soul from despair. 
as it is for somebody who is blessed with an overabundance of things. And we see this, uh, those of us who, who have been blessed and by argument, you'd say basically anybody, almost anybody living in Orange County uh, in, a, in their own home and, you know, with all the provisions has some element of this abundance. It's easy to kind of uh, preserve your soul on, on the, the other side of things, right? Um, sometimes we take things for granted. We become arrogant. We start to feel that we are the, the ones who have provided these things for us rather than attributing these things appropriately to where they have come from. And uh, we see that uh, we can get caught up in ideas of greed, of want, of desire. And so there are certainly pitfalls on, on, the, on the other side of thing. And I thought it was really amazing that St. Basil brought this up, uh, you know, as, as, a, as, an, as a point. Um, so he continues uh, talking that uh, in his sermon that God provided abundantly for the man in the gospel narrative. Through his, though his barns were filled to bursting with abundance of his good, his miserly heart was not satisfied. He was made miserable by abundance, wretched by the good things he possessed, and still more wretched by the good things he expected to receive. And this is, again, the, the concept of greed or, you know, abundance brings the desire and want for additional abundance, right? And, and this, is, this is a fact, you know, I mean, if, uh, for instance, uh, full disclosure, I, I, I have in my days been a watch person, right? And uh, I said to myself, hey, I really would love this watch. And once I bought that watch, I found myself uh, not instantly, but but soon thereafter saying, yeah, that's a nice watch, but I want the, the, the step above. And then, you know, I checked myself. I looked at myself and said, you know, geez, what are you doing here? You know, this is you're getting caught up in this cycle of you, you, you wanted something, uh, you were blessed to get it, and now you want something above and beyond. And again, I'm not criticizing anybody who has a watch thing or any or whatever purse thing or whatever the case may be, but it is something to pause and give thought to, right? I mean, we need to be aware of this tendency in us to always want more. Um, and then St. Basil con continues and he says, it seems to me the passion afflicting this man's soul resembles that of the gluttonous who would rather burst as a result of overindulgence than share part of what they have with those in need. And this is really where St. Basil starts to take a great issue with, with this way of life or this, this desire for more and more is that not only are you just uh, indulging yourself, overindulging yourself, but the result of it is that you, you leave behind those who are in need and those that you're actually very capable of helping. Um, he continues by saying, do not suppose that all this was furnished for your own gullet. Resolve to treat the things in your possessions as belonging to others. How easily you might have said, I will satisfy the souls of the hungry. I will throw open the gates of my barns and summon all those in need. So th this is exactly what he's saying. He's saying, you know, again, you become so concerned with your own possessions, uh, it would have been very easy out of your abundance over the overflow of what you have to, to help uh, those around you. And, you know, we have to also go back to the time he was living in. This was a time where there were many who were uh, in slavery, many who were starving, 
there were famines, uh, and these this was uh, increasingly difficult for him. And you know what? It's not hard to look around and see evidence of this in our own society. Even in a place like Orange County, there are pockets in our in our own county here where there are people who are living on the streets, people who are going hungry from day to day. Um, people who don't have shelter. Um, and so, you know, we tend to say, oh, that's over there, that's at that time. But the reality of it is we have it surrounding us. Uh, some of us, uh, maybe including myself at times, don't, uh, don't choose to look around to find it. Um, St. Basil then implores us, he says, come now, distribute your wealth lavishly, becoming honorable and glorious in your expenditures for the needy. Let what is said of the righteous be said of you. They have distributed freely. They have been given to. They have given to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. So not only does he call us out, but then he kind of implores us and pushes us to to take action. You know, it's kind of the, you know during a time of spiritual advice where where you'd approach somebody and they'd say, "Hey, man, you know, you have all the, you have all this stuff. Uh, you know, think about the greed." then think about who you're not taking care of because of the greed. And then furthermore, a call to action. You know, now that you've understood this, it's time to move on and it's time to take care of those around you. You must leave your money behind in the end, whether you will or no. But the honor that proceeds from good works will escort you to the master. And this I found very powerful. You know, the reality of it is none of us are taking this beyond our grave. I mean, even if we have this in a trust and give it to our family, it's not ours. It's not ours to enjoy. It's not ours to, to take. It's not ours to, you know, uh, lay, lay for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt, right? When we die, this stuff goes into the, this stuff doesn't, this stuff goes into the ground. It doesn't come with us, right? In worst case scenario, it gets redistributed to the to the to the government or wherever the case may be. If we're not, uh, if we haven't thought about those things, but um, you know, we can't take it with us. And furthermore, not only can we not take it with us, but the proceeds from the good works, right, helping the poor, like he's imploring us to do in the above quote, uh, will escort us to the master, right? That's that's very powerful. Um, you know, there's a whole faith versus works uh, argument that we hear ad nauseum. Um, but the reality of it is, is that, you know, I think God expects good works from us as a result of our faith, as a, a result for our, our love for him. And, um, you know, it's foolish to think that, yeah, it's foolish to think that, you know, what we do here on earth with what he's given us is not something that he will ask us about later, is not something that he expects us to do good things with while we're here. Uh, the sermon continues, greed and preoccupation of acquiring wealth blinds the wealthy from recognizing the plight of others. St. Basil presents a story of a parent deciding which child to sell into slavery to prevent family from perishing from starvation. And this is something that apparently actually happened during his time. And basically his call was to the, to the wealthy, he says, wealth hoarded by the rich man is put to waste. L wealth left idle is of no use to anyone. But to put the 
but to put to use and exchange it to becomes fruitful and beneficial for the public. How great is the reward from the righteous judge? Do not doubt him. And basically it's this story of a family having to give away one of their children into slavery. They have, uh, I think in the story, five or six children, and they have to, they have to decide which one of their kids they're going to sell into to slavery. The anguish of that. Do they sell the, the firstborn? Do they sell the youngest? Uh, what will the other children think of them after they've sold one of their other children into slavery just to survive? And this is apparently something that happened during his time and something that could have been alleviated by somebody with wealth, uh, not having to put a family through this kind of misery and agony and torment, as well as not having somebody put into slavery, right? So, so this is, again, a very, uh, a very uh, obvious way or a very vivid way to... to demonstrate what he's talking about. Um, you know, like I said, St. Basil doesn't pull punches. And uh, this next quote, I, I, I got a huge chuckle out of, but it was also very convicting. He says, though you speak to yourself in secret, your words are examined in heaven. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry day after day. Oh, what senselessness. If you had the soul of a pig, what better news could you have given it? And then, of course, there's a picture of, for those of you who would remember, Boss Hogg, a kind of despicable figure out of the Dukes of Hazard, a show that existed many, many years ago. And then the filth and just kind of grossness of a, of a pig slumbering in the mud. Um, and the point here is that, you know, he, he's very blunt. He likens this gluttony this desire for more food, more drink, more money, more cars, more watches, more houses, more vacations, more all of these things uh, as uh, just, you know, it's fitting for the soul of a pig who, who exists to eat, sleep, drink, and be merry. And uh, he, he, he does this very bluntly just to demonstrate to us that this is not the, the way we should be living our lives. Um, and so, you know, uh, get a chuckle out of the pictures here, but, but also examine ourselves, right? We, we need to examine ourselves. Um, he continues by saying, I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. But if you fill these larger ones, what do you intend to do next? Will you tear them down yet again, only to build them up once more? What could be more ridiculous than this incessant toil, the building and the tearing down, the building and the tearing down constantly? If you want storehouses, you have them in the stomachs of the poor. The hungry are perishing, the naked are freezing to death, the debtors are unable to breathe, and will you put off showing mercy until tomorrow? And again, you know, it talks about the futility of uh, just always going for bigger, right? I have a nice house, I'm going to buy a bigger house. Then after I buy the bigger house, I'm going to buy an even bigger house, or I have a nice, you know, uh, I have a nice car, and then I get a nicer car. And then once I have the nicer car, I want the even nicer car. And uh, that goes on and on until, un un until you find yourself just pursuing and seeking things, right? Um, and the reality of it is, is that in the pursuit of these other things, we've left behind, uh, we've left behind people in need. And I want to be very clear. I mean, I, I, clearly God blesses uh, many of us with, uh, with wealth, with things. 
Um, and these things are not bad in and of themselves. There's nothing wrong with owning a nice watch. There's nothing wrong with owning a nice car or a nice home. Um, but, you know, I want you to remember that that very first, the, the very first uh, part of the end of that sentence is, do we show generosity or wealth or love towards God? You know, is, is, is our, uh, let me find that, because uh, I don't want to misquote it, sorry here. Are we rich? To, are we not rich toward God, right? And that's what we really have to 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 pay attention to. And as an extension, are we not rich toward God? Are we are we not rich towards those around us, right? So we move on um, to later in the sermon. But whom do I treat unjustly by keeping what is my own? So this is a question that some of us will 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 bring up. Well, I worked hard. I you know I put in the hours at work. I uh, invested wisely. I hustled and bought these properties uh, ten years ago, and now look, they're they're you know tripled in value. Um, you know, we seem to sometimes think that what we have is a result of the toil of our labor. And uh, Saint Basil responds to that that God has given you what you have. Tell me what is your own? What did you bring into this life? From where did you receive it? And those blessed by blessed with wealth have been given the opportunity to receive the reward of benevolence and faithful stewardship, while the poor are honored for patient endurance in their struggles. Um, you know, again, uh, St. Basil just brings to our attention, you know, and this is not to discount the work or the heart, the, the stewardship of any of us, you know, yes, uh, God gave us these things, but if we were not good stewards of these things, maybe we've not achieved, if we didn't study hard in school, if we didn't uh, work hard at work, if we didn't make wise investments, if we didn't do all these things, yes, we would maybe, maybe not would have resulted in the acquisition of wealth or the acquisition of things, but but if you go back to the root source of all of this, it is through through God. And even the abilities that you have are from God. So even if you were able to work hard or were brilliant or came up with an invention or, you know, founded a company or uh, have a real estate empire, whatever the case may be, you know, these things are from God. The talents that you have are from God. And so, you know, very directly, um, what we have is from above, and we have to recognize that in our stewardship of these things. These things are not to be hoarded for ourselves, um, but to be, dis you know, to some degree distributed to those around us. And again, I'm not saying not to have a some nice things, but, you know, make sure that you are rich toward God. The bread you are holding, and then, then you know, St. Basil in true St. Basil fashion uh, gets hardcore on us. And he says, the bread you are holding back is for the hungry. The clothes you keep are put away for the, from the naked. The shoes that, you, that are rotting away with disuse are for those who have none, right? And, uh, you know, every time I walk into my closet, I look at my shoes or my clothing, and I'm like, geez, you know. 
maybe I have a, a little too much. And so I've actually gotten through the process of starting to kind of weed out stuff that uh, maybe is a little too much to have. You know, do you need five flannel shirts or three flannel shirts good enough? Do you need four gym shoes or two gym shoes good enough? And uh, and so it just causes me to pause. And then, you know, St. Basil, which I love, uh, you know, ends his sermon uh, with the passage from Matthew 25. Uh, Come, you are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you gave me clothing. Um, this is the passage uh, where he separates the sheep, sheep and the goats. And um, he tells them, basically, in as much as you have done for the poor, for those in need, you have done for myself. And that's really, uh, you know, in times where I've been blessed enough to uh, participate in charity or participate in helping somebody in need, um, I always come back to this passage and I always think about it very earnestly. Um, and I think of that person as Christ sitting in front of me, as Christ being the one in need. And in those moments, uh, I find myself um, struggling to hold back tears. And I struggle to hold back tears in those situations because I realize that what little I'm doing for that person is, uh, is microscopic compared to what Christ has done for each and every one of us. And I look at God as the bestower of good things for us, of our, you know, all that we have, the, the blessings that we have. And in the moment of trying to help somebody who is in need, I realize how small of an offering uh, of what I am giving back to Christ, what I'm giving back to God. And picturing that person as Christ, as God, uh, becomes very humbling. And uh, at times has made me yearn for it more. Uh, this recognition of who stands in front of me. And, um, you know, it's a beautiful passage in Matthew. I would certainly recommend spending some time today or sometime this week reading it, especially powerful during these times that are difficult in our country and in the world, especially approaching uh, the, you know, the beginning of the ultimate gift, the incarnation of Christ uh, approaching us here in a few weeks. And, uh, you know, I think, I think what I want to leave this, this talk with is, is a couple things. Uh, you know, again, St. Basil can be a little bit harsh in what he says, um, but I like that. And I like that because for me, I respond to that. It convicts me. It makes me pause and think. If somebody was handling me always with kid gloves, I would not pause as much. I would not consider as much. I would not think as much about the way I live my life, the actions I take, um, what I do with what God has given me. 
And uh, for those of us who are not particularly wealthy or, or anything like that, you have been blessed with other things. You've been blessed with time. You've been blessed with creativity. You've been blessed with the ability to love. And those things are equally important to be rich with others with, equally important to share with those in need. You know, um, I have family members who aren't necessarily the wealthiest people around, but some of the most loving people around. And what they can give to others is a an ear to listen, um, a, a empathy. These are things that um, are jewels to those in need, those who are depressed, suffering, uh, ill, uh, also needy in you know material things. But examine ourselves. We must examine ourselves and make sure that as the end, that last verse in Luke calls us to be, are we rich to God? And as an extension through Matthew 25, are we rich to those around us? Are we good stewards of what God has given us? Um, and remember, as much as we have done for the least of these, we have done to God. Um, I pray that you pray for me, uh, that I always keep these teachings of St. Basil, although harsh, uh, cause me to pause and think. Um, I hope they do the same for you. Uh, I realize that uh, this might not be the cheerful Sunday message that some were hoping for, but it, it really is. It really is because uh, it demonstrates God's love for us and it demonstrates how we can show our love for God as well. And that's, you know, as he also says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, and then love one, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And as he said after washing his disciples' feet, love one another as I have loved you. Uh, pray for me and my family. Pray for our church. Pray for our county, our state, um, and our world. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking of uh, better times in the future here. God bless.